Welcome to The Jungle, presented by Lost Ark. Your odyssey begins today by clicking the link in the description. Make sure to do that and support us. Hey everyone, Digon, Monty, and Dom here to break down the world of competitive League of Legends as, again, LEC already done, so they get to just sit back and watch as they're waiting for their playoffs to begin. So uh, a lot of focus here, LPL, LCK, and of course, the LCS, because not necessarily the play on the Rift, but big announcements coming out of someone that uh, Monty had a chance to sit down and talk with, Philip Aram, Aram. We'll call him Aram, uh, is the new head of the LCS Players Association, uh, who will be now getting non-riot funding to try and further the Players Association here. So, Monty, I wanted to defer to you. Uh, kind of what does this signing mean to the average LCS fan and to the players? Oh, yeah. If you want the long form, go watch The Four Horsemen uh, is the answer. Uh, the short answer is that basically... What they're trying to do is that every players association is funded by selling the group likenesses, image naming, uh, likeness rights um, in professional sports. So like the NFL Players Association or the MLB Players Association, these kind of things. So they don't extract dues from the players. What they do is they're like, okay, we will sell you all of the players' rights to make a video game, make Madden, right? or we will sell all of the rights to make trading cards, right? Or who knows what you would do in, in an esports space. I will sell all of the players' rights NFTs. to make an, what? You'll make all the players into NFTs. Yeah, NFTs or body pillows or uh, an erotic visual novel. Who knows uh, where yeah. it's going? <laughs> we know those, those pop. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I'm just, I'm just looking for my, my dating sim where I can finally date Bjergsen. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what they're going to do is my point. That, that's a, you know, if I was trying to make money, I would explore that in this, in the world of esports, truly. So, uh, Dating Bjergsen, okay. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes my fetish just comes out on air, Dom. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, look, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, could, you could be like TSM and what last week? Look, they got I've just been, I've just been trying so to neg know. TSM for years. So Bjergsen would love me. All right. Anyway, okay. back to the point. <laughs> <laughs> back to the point. Uh, the, basically what they're doing is they are, they have acquired these rights. They've partnered with one team, which is an agency that is owned by the major league baseball players association and the NFL players association. So they're used to making these kind of deals. They were the ones making these big fanatics deals, fanatic, the sports collectible company for uh, all the trading cards that have been going on. And this, uh, this, I think this and, is the, that's the same one that does these yep, hoodies. Yeah. By the way. Yep, yeah. And yep, Dom's super comfortable Seahawks actually. Jersey. Thank you very much for Russell Wilson as a Broncos fan, by yeah! the way. Yeah. One. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it's, it's over for, uh, for, for the Seahawks. Hey, you know, you I, might I get to Sean really Watson. A, so look, I was only really a Seahawks fan because I liked Russell Wilson. So, you know, like maybe I'm going to be a Broncos fan. Monty, next let's year. get it. Let's get him some Broncos. Here, him. Maybe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We get all three D Broncos fans now. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, that's what's going on with with the Players Association. Obviously, this is exciting because we don't want them funded by Riot because that creates a conflict of interest uh, between Riot and the Players Association. And critically, this could advance um this could advance towards a union because it's not a union right now. And we cannot have things like a salary cap or a player draft until they are actually a union. But if they have a revenue stream and they can go into collective bargaining, uh, then they might be able to become a union because 
that would be good. I think a draft would be really exciting, frankly, for the LCS. I think it would be a great way for people to give a shit about things like amateur play. Um, it would give bad teams a chance to get good players, which they don't currently do, because if you're if you're a bad team in LCS, the players won't even agree to play for you. They'd literally rather play for a shitty academy team than play for your LCS team. And so if you don't have a way to like get a promising player to then entice other players, you're kind of just like stuck at the bottom forever, even if you spend money, um, which is why people like to shit on bottom tier LCS teams. But oftentimes they, they don't really have a choice uh, in or an easy way to get out of that situation. So I think it would help a lot of things, frankly. Uh, and I'm excited to see where it goes, because even though this is just a first step, we'll have to judge it as it goes on. At least they're doing something for the first time ever. Uh, <laughs> with the Players Association, Dom, what is something that you think you needed advocacy for as a player that you think maybe if you had a strong bargaining partner, someone to advocate for you, uh, what, what would be some of those things? Well, I mean, I think when, when we were apply, I think what Monty spoke to about collective bargaining would obviously be something really good in, in the past, because back then, you know, there was 200, 300,000 viewers watching LCS and we were getting paid shit. But now with the salaries um, increasing, I'm not sure exactly what what they would be looking for out of this. But I mean, at least now they can do something, because before, obviously, it was the Players Association that was going to be owned by Riot that would somehow be like negotiating against Riot in like a, in in circumstances which doesn't make any sense because why would Riot ever have allowed the players association to do anything that actually went against something that Riot technically wanted to do themselves but i mean at least now that there's a a break in between it we can see uh if it actually becomes useful because i think up until this point in League of Legends it's been pretty useless um to have the the Riot NA what is it, LCSPA or something? Yeah, the LCSPA. Uh, so now that it's not funded by Riot, uh, there'll be still some, uh, uh, I guess now there's progress that can be made. I would say that um, the the thing that I found interesting, again, go check out uh, The Four Horsemen with Monty Thorne, Richard Lewis, and Philip Iram. Um, it's a three-party system because you have the owners, you have the players, and you have Riot. And at the end of the day, Riot's the one that's kind of still making those decisions. But now that they're gaining, uh, now there's a stronger possibility to gain more leverage to go get those things. And it all starts with selling those name and likeness rights to these things to create revenue. So uh, anyway, a, a exciting also can probably probably will create cool things for fans too that didn't exist before. Because before you would have to go like player by player, team by team, if you wanted to make like trading cards or NFTs or whatever, which is a giant pain in the ass and nobody's actually going to do that because you couldn't get them all to agree. Well, now they're just sold as one giant bundle. So it makes it a lot more likely. So if anything, it's going to increase the money, I think, that the players and uh, receive and the teams too. Right. Because the teams right. still have to sell their like logos and team rights to these projects if they want to use the teams in them. Right. So uh, a boon for all and almost kind of uniting owners and players for the first time in a while against Riot in the future. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, let's move on to the rift of our North American League. LCS, the big match that we had talked about uh, coming into it, it was Team Liquid and Cloud9 going head-to-head -head on Sunday. Uh, a big matchup, and it seemed like a lot of fun. People lived up to the expectations. What would you think of it, Dom? 
Uh, I thought it was really good. I think that was one of the best matches we've had in LCS in a while. And it it just it makes you sad that every other match isn't isn't at the same level because <laughs> I feel like this is what would actually make people be excited about LCS. I mean, I think it was a it was a pretty decent match from the beginning to the end. I mean, this is one of the few matches where players are relatively even skill by position, where a lot of times when you watch LCS, it's like Who's the import shitting on the other? Like, who is Summit playing against? If Summit is playing against anyone who's not an import, he is going to absolutely fist them. If he plays against Licorice, Fake God, Kumo, Revenge. I mean, you saw what he did to Revenge. Revenge is probably the best NA top laner. Like, I do want to talk about that, too, because people have been shitting on Revenge, and I do not think that is right. But anyway, continue. Okay, (laughs) sure. But I mean, my point is that that it versus TL... At least Whippo was able to contain Summit in, in in some regard, and they weren't able to just win by having a massive top gap, which will actually prove uh, push C9 to actually improve. So I think that it was overall a good match. It was a little bit of a cock block that Whippo ended up getting caught right before like it was going to be third Drake, but then they ended up obviously getting Baron off of it because there was an interesting dynamic in the game where C9 could not actually match TL's split push. TL actually won both side lanes, with the uh, rise and the jacks at that point, Trin couldn't really match either. So the victor was actually having to match the enemy team's uh, jacks. So there was an interesting dynamic where TL couldn't really team fight. They, they weren't strong enough to actually win the team fight, but they actually had the advantage in the side lanes. So I wanted to see if they were going to be able to do anything in the next about like five, six minute window before soul spawns to leverage their split push. Also, they had a TP advantage because obviously uh, the Trinimir took ghost flash. So I think that it would have been really interesting to see if Wibble didn't get caught, how if TL made any plays, if they actually were aware of what their advantages were in game or whether they were just going to, you know, let C9 slowly win by forcing objectives on spawn. Also, the timing was unfortunate because I think that we were moving towards a game state where we would have seen probably a pretty even 5v5 had it gone on just slightly longer. And so in a way, it, it did feel like we were robbed of a really compelling end game but i think team liquid was really smart in the way they got themselves back into it like they they dissolved an early 4000 gold lead in this game uh through intelligent uh like um lane assignments later in the game and it basically it just whetted my appetite for a best of five between these teams because even though i think the the end result was kind of disappointing it's not how i wanted the game to end or to swing a lot of the game was quite good especially in the early stages and they're really it really felt like a very active and dynamic push and pull between the teams which i think is rare like you you feel like the teams were fighting each other and you know compromising in certain parts of the map to take advantages in other parts of the map which is rare i would say in an lcs game where you feel like both teams are making good decisions with the available information and game state. When we look at this matchup, like you said, Dom, a lot of these players are evenly skilled across the board coming into it, except maybe Core JJ and Winsome. So who who would be your standout player, good or bad? I would definitely say Winsome was the standout player for me, considering the fact that he had a really poor Tom Kench game in the previous uh, day against Immortals. Normally, when you see this with a player, they end one game, they're going to take it into scrims, they're going to try to improve and bring it back to the stage at a later date where they feel more comfortable on the champion. Uh, and I thought it showed a lot of poise to be able to play the champion again into such a, a high-skilled player, you know, not not really being afraid of what might happen or getting exposed and just having the confidence to realize that 
you know, these things are, are fixable. The mistakes in game uh, are are easy for him to actually adapt to. And I thought that he actually had a really good Tom Kench game. I think he played really well. I think the eats were timely. I think the way that he was playing on the side lane, even with Fudge, was, was really smart, where he was positioning in a way where he could still help Fudge and he could allow Fudge to play a lot more aggressive because of that. So I really think that this was like, at least to me, probably his best game of the split. I know he had an Alistar game uh, earlier that people were raving about. But I think that quality of competition really matters when it comes to, like, at least how I judge players and being able to perform in such a high level game at a really high level means to me that at least he's um, he's got the mindset that you want to see in a player. He's got the ability to uh, play under pressure, which I think is crucial for somebody who's, you know, a rookie. I think it's also important to note that this is probably the most competitive game of his entire career because if you look i mean you have to remember that he's basically a rookie when it comes to tier one play and sure you can make jokes oh you know korean challenger is basically the same as you know this lcs quality which is probably true of some of the worst teams in lcs but it's definitely not true of this iteration of team liquid and it's especially not true going up against a lane that consists of han sama and core jj right so i think this is probably the highest level game that he's played uh and because remember the previous time was not with core jj in the lineup so i think having a big game in an important moment like this is a very good sign for him uh time for pop quiz it's Degon's fact of the week sponsored by nobody uh other than whippo who pulled out jacks for his 10th most played champion who else in the lcs has played 10 champions to lead the lcs is another top laner no, it is not. Hmm. I guess it has to be a, a mid laner then. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know this one. Yeah, you all, you all at home, pause the video right now. This is this is where you go and guess. Put your put your guesses in the comments below. <laughs> Uh, is it Takui? I don't think it'd be Takui. I think he's been playing a lot of mages. It is not Takui. He has, he's but he's, he's played eight. a lot of different ones. He is at eight. <laughs> there, there yeah, could it be Bjergsen? Uh, Bjergsen is not. He's at eight as well. There are one, oh. two, three, four, five, six, six players at nine. Nine champions, but only two players. <laughs> Whippo and this player at ten. I don't know. All right, I, maybe got, I got, got one this week. <laughs> Finally, it might be it might might could it be Palafox? Oh, Palafox is one of the players with nine. Oh, very man. close. <laughs> uh, reason why I brought it up here at this segment: the ten, the other player to play ten champions, unique champions, Fudge. Fudge. Uh, oh, I should have guessed that because of the Ivor and Soraka. Yeah, the Ivor and Soraka. That's right. Uh, he's only played Corky, Rise, and Ari twice, but then Ivern, Lucian, Oriana, Soraka, Victor, Zillion. Oh, I forgot Aurelia. about the Lucian game. The yeah, Lucian game I should have guessed tragic. that, actually. I'm dumb. Yeah. And then, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Blabber and Winsome also at nine unique champions played. Uh, so they're, they're pretty high up there, and then Summit's right there at the top with oh. eight. So Cloud9 has been uh, playing all over, the, all over the place with their champions. I kind of brought that up because I wanted to ask about performance of Fudge and Whippo. Whippo pulling out yet another champion. The Jax didn't quite get to scale, and uh, Summit was able to punish a little bit more on the Trindamir. What did you feel? Let's start with Whippo. What did you, how did you feel about Whippo's performance in this big game? Big game here. 
I think people will focus on his questionable plays at the end, but also he was in a pretty difficult spot, I think, for a lot of this game, given how the early game went and the amount of gold on Summit. And I think he did pretty well recovering from that overall and playing to the win conditions of the roster, as as Dom alluded to earlier with the, you know, the possibility of pushing out the side lanes. And also, I mean, in, in a long enough game, he's going to be incredibly impactful in 5v5 fights and with the TP advantage it should have been I would you you would think that this game was inching towards a team liquid win before that happened but here's the thing about Whippo it's like he's always going to do that it's just who he is right and he's an extremely good player and sometimes those things that Whippo does are going to win you games and sometimes those things that Whippo does are going to lose you games and this was an instance of losing a game I still have a lot of faith in Whippo in like a best of series but I just think it's who he is. <laughs> You're not going to change Wonder, you know. As long as he's not <laughs> against Wonder, I can see him doing fine in a best of series. Uh, but no I feel wonder like in this been having Bo's been having weird weeks. Like he hasn't been good for a couple weeks now, um, which is a little bit worrying because, you know, like uh, you always wonder with an import like this, like how much of them branching out and having like underperformances is them just like, you know, not respecting the level of competition or just kind of like coming here, dominating everyone, thinking that, like, he's so much ahead of the competition that he's trying to find, like, other angles to improve on. So, like, the Shivana game, I feel like he didn't get much out of this. I think this game was two really bad decisions, which pretty much cemented his team losing the game. Um, and it's a little bit worrying that somebody was, uh, that a team with such experience, like TL, wasn't able to find what I think the play was in this game, which was... Uh, I would have, since they had pressure in both side lanes, I would have definitely liked to see both solo laners play on the same side lane together. So when you, when you do this, normally what you'll do is you'll have like the rise push in top recall on a good item value. And then he'll run bot with the Jax and then dive the victor as, as two when everyone's in this one through one, because you actually have the, the push in both lanes and no one was able to do this uh, in this game. So I think that that was the macro play that I was waiting for TL to uh, execute. And they just never, they never did. I mean, maybe they would have at, a later point into the game because normally when you're in a game it's harder to identify immediately like what the situations are and like what your advantages are um so maybe they would have actually been able to identify this like in that five six minute window that we talked about at the end of um this game between like 29 minutes and like 35 when soul was going to spawn but uh yeah we just didn't get to see that so i i, I definitely want to see like more out of whippo i think that he's definitely the second best top laner in na outside of uh obviously summit so I, I just want to see him playing more like that and just abusing people kind of the same way Summit does because it looks like Summit just really is not having a bad game. I mean, he had a couple weird games at the beginning of the, Gwen. Uh, of the season. Yeah. I mean, even even the Gwen game, he I thought well was actually a pretty good game, game. All things considered. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's a game that I would consider a good game. Like, if you're pressured a lot and you're in a matchup where you don't have Flash and you're counterpicked and you're still actually being useful in the game, I, I think that that's a much better game than, for example, Blippo's bad game, which was the Shivana game to me, where it's like, oh, like, not only did you get solo killed, but also you, like, completely ran it down in a team fight, ulted into five people, and suddenly your team, like, almost lost to Immortals because of it. So, yeah. Uh, I just want to see Blippo bring back a little bit more consistency because the last couple weeks of performances have not been super, uh, I, I guess, like, promising. I would say dominant. Like and and I think your your radar is right there, uh, Dom. Because when you look at his opponents in the top lane for the last two weeks specifically, it was someday, 
It was then Revenge, who had the split pushing game. You then had Impact, and then obviously Summit. So from here on out, it's Jenkins, it's Kumo, it's Licorice, it's Fake God, and then he closed it off against Huni uh, at the end. So I, I think he played the top half, and it's literally bottom half after this uh, for Bwipo. Uh Let's see. I think the other game I wanted to bring up was just a wild one to kick off week six. It was the battle of the uh, Osh 80 carries in Golden Guardians and 100 Thieves, where they were just kind of going back and forth there. Uh, Dom, I see you nodding your head. Did you have thoughts on uh, this kind of crazy throw fest here by uh, both those squads? I think it was just the most North American game that we've had all split, <laughs> where no one went to a side lane for like 20 minutes. It was just, it was fucking crazy. So when I watched this game, I just really... It's really disheartening. I mean, this is the game where I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Hunter Thieves needs some type of change in either like mid jungle and support. I mean, I don't really think you would ever change closer because he's your best player. But this team's macro is actually terrible. Uh, most of the time, like they don't uh, like they, they were never good at macro. Even last year, when they won a championship. They're still they're still bad at the same things. They make really, really outrageous decisions, even versus bad teams. Like they can't even out macro bottom tier LCS teams consistently. Like they have to win by just being better players. And I don't really see this ever solving itself. Like if it's nine months in, you haven't made any improvements on, on, on this front. I don't see how suddenly you're going to be making improvements. Like it's going to click 10 months in. Oh, now we got it. This is what we need to do because they, they don't ever make the right decision. And there's only a certain amount of like decisions you can make in these these spots so you would think that they would just sometimes rng their their way into the correct decision <laughs> but still somehow they can't fucking do it so i, think, I don't know i, I, I think, think it's, it's a huge indictment of 100 thieves that their win condition in this game was essentially hope that golden guardian somehow has worse macro and then opts into grouped front to back team fights over and over and over and over and over again. And then also that they randomly steal Dragon Soul away with a Lee Sin Q. I think that it is- It didn't a, even matter. Like, I think it did matter. I think that one did matter. Like there, there were fights after that that I think could have been changed had Golden Guardians gotten the Dragon Soul. But I agree that it's not the biggest factor in this game. But if that's your win condition, you are- going to be hopeless at an international level in the current meta because we see so much so and we'll we'll talk about you know these games later on in lck lck and lpl where oh, there's nice. a there's a massive emphasis on split pushing and pick compositions right now among the best teams in the world and golden guardians was effectively playing a very similar composition to the the, the comps that we see coming out of asia with a big emphasis on the kaisa but for Golden Guardians, I, I literally just had Ole on Summoning in Insight, which you can watch, and we talk about this game specifically. And they know, you know, what they did wrong. Like, it's egregious that you're not pushing out with your Gnar and your Rise in the side lanes and hovering. Or your Nocturne. Like, oh, even yeah. their jungler can side lane in this game. Sure. Three people he can, can also He can also just hover, you know, as long as you control vision and no one knows where the Nocturne is, he presents a constant unknown threat and that's always been true right he can threaten two lanes at the same time in a dark jungle because it's very difficult to play the game if if there's also a kaisa that can engage on you from half the map away it's very very dangerous and you have to play out these compositions properly and i understand what they thought which is like surely with a 10k advantage we should be able to win a front-to-back team fight which 
it, it did surprise me that they couldn't do that with a massive gold advantage that they they had. But after you learn that the first time, you don't continuously <laughs> do it over and over again after that. So, I mean, I'm, I think I'm disappointed in Golden Guardians, but I, I, if anything, I'm even more disappointed in 100 Thieves. I mean, there's no way you win this game in almost any other circumstance. Yeah, I mean, the laning was also bad. Like, someday got completely shit on by Nar. Like, I know that Nar is not supposed to lose to Scion or anything, but the fact that on the Scion side of it, he's just, like, some days down 40 CS in lane. Like, that is fucking crazy. To Licorice Nar, like, Licorice has not even been a dominant top laner in NA the split. So I thought that was really bad. And then, yeah, for Golden Guardians, I mean, I think they they massively over-prioritized the Cloud Soul. Like, I, I think that... In this situation, they had a full wave bot and they have Baron. Like they can easily just like end the game or they can threaten the end and put pressure on the situation by sending one person bot. He starts ushering in that wave. What's going to happen now? Like now you have a huge wave that's stacked. He can like if you use the right member, let's say you just even put the Nocturne there. You put the Rise there. They, they're simultaneously pressuring, but they can still join the fight. And that was just a, a little a little pocket of of time in the game where they can actually use the fact that they have all these semi-globals on their team. I mean, not, they have Teleport, they have Ult, they have Nocturnal. And they didn't go bot. There's an open inhib mid. There's a huge bot wave. Like, just send someone bot and, and don't flip the whole soul. But what, I don't what, know. Well, what's crazy about this, Dom, is it's like every moment of this game is just like a fra It's like a fractal of bad decision-making where the you zoom in and it's just more bad decision-making and then you zoom out and it's still just like bigger bad decision-making. So even on a micro level, if you if you go back and watch the Dragon Soul fight, we could argue, like you're saying, that they shouldn't have even been there. Um, but if you actually look at the way it plays out in terms of their team communications... Pride Stalker literally like red smites closer on Lee Sin in the pit. And then after that happens, lost instead of it was clear Pride Stalker was looking to fight because the dragon's like a two, two and a half K HP and he's trying to push closer out of the pit. Lost then starts autoing the dragon soul on Kaisa and then gets the dragon low enough in order for the steal to occur while Pride Stalker's smite is down. So they're not even communicating clearly what they're they're focus is on these fights that are happening half the team is trying to push them out of the pit and then get a safe dragon lost is just literally not even autoing or trying to attack anybody who can actually you know affect this team fight so they're splitting their focus even in the micro sense yep. i mean look, so at, look, at the difference, <laughs> look at the difference between a lost kaisa and a luger kaisa we saw two games of luger kaisa he's just completely 1v9ing the entire fucking game dragging his corpse of a team across the finish line <laughs> that's true and then on the <laughs> On the other side of it, you have Lost Kaisa who's dying in a team fight solo to a Lee Sin with Flash and Ulti up. Like, I don't even, I've never seen a Lee Sin solo kill any AD carry besides for, like, you know, maybe something completely immobile, like like a Jinx when he's separated from his team. But how how is Kaisa dying in his whole team 1v4 to a Lee Sin? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it's just so weird to watch. This game was, this game was the game where I'm like, yep. Golden Guardians just actually are back to sucking. I mean, after this, they're tied with they're tied for seventh place with CLG, and they just lost to CLG on on uh, Sunday. So, I, I, I'd say effectively they are just a bottom team in the NA again. We'll see what they're able to do this next weekend. I think this next weekend is very easy for them if they're not able to win games against either FlyQuest or Dignitas. Like, yeah, I think that that just means that by definition, at that point, you are just a bottom team in North America.
I mean, they should have won this game. I don't think it's outrageous to suggest that they can fix some of the things because it took a lot of things to go wrong for them in this game for them to lose 200 Thieves. Like a lot. Yeah. You fix one Definitely. or two of those things, you win the game. Yeah, but so I feel like I don't think it's Thieves like, is bad. Like, that's the problem for me is like, I don't think 100 Thieves <laughs> is good at all. So like... Yeah, but all these teams are bad, Dom. You just have to pick the... Le the look. The less bad. <laughs> the lesser of the evils. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. I mean... Maybe, yeah, uh, maybe they're all bad. Like, do I actually think the Golden Guardians is going to be Dignitas, though, this weekend? I think Dignitas, like, look, I think I think Dignitas bot lane actually looks pretty strong. I would say they're probably a top four bot lane um, in NA right now. I, I can mean, see, I are, can see are, losing are they strong or in the Immortals game? Did, did Immortals just into 4v2 dive? These are the questions we ask ourselves. <laughs> I mean, they were strong before that, though. Dignitas <laughs> made that happen, Monty. <laughs> yeah. They made them do it. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, that the game where they looked a lot better was the game versus... Uh, the game versus TSM, I mean, they they were sure. shitting on them. But I mean, I guess everyone shits on on tactical these days. But still, like, I think that I think in general, High doesn't, High doesn't shit on tactical. High stood up for tactical and made Hooney stand in front of the class and draw why tactical see, dying in see, that late is, game fight wasn't is, as This fault. is why it's it's really good that nobody is there to challenge High's uh, narrative about these things because it, it, there's nothing wrong with what High is saying. Oh, yes, Hooney should have been walking up there. But nobody mm -hmm. asks the question of if Huni isn't there, then why did Tactical right. walk yeah. up? Why is he there? Oh, and no, I mean, look, <laughs> fuck all of that. Like, what are we talking about? Like, oh, like positioning and all this shit. How about, how about you're a fucking professional AD carry and a Lux through a max range binding and you have a fucking Gale Force if push comes to shove and you have a Lantern. How about you just fucking dodge the binding like somebody with a mouse and a fucking keyboard? Like... <laughs> <laughs> how about that See, that's what, like that's why like i was so i was like actually outraged at the at the segment because like i understand like first off props to hooney for like coming up and yeah doing it. Like, that was props I, I love hooney like yeah. I, I actually feel bad for hooney because he's he's not he's probably playing the best out of everybody on his team right now but sure he deserves it though like he's phoned it in so many splits before <laughs> that i feel like he yes. deserves to just like have like oh one of the things don't, don't get like you don't fall upward for the for like the last four years of your career what happens then oh shit you're actually you're actually in a situation where you're not you're not winning like now you're you're finally just fucking losing deserve i'm telling you <laughs> so you're, you think that Huni is reaping the cosmic justice right now he he's yes. getting the karma okay yeah well, i think good, god is know. punishing Huni directly that's what <laughs> i think that he is well, he's not punishing person. God. I'll tell you, God sure ain't punishing Hooney's wallet. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, jokes aside, like you know, the the narrative that was being spun there to like make TSM seem better was, I thought, was just outrageous. It was just outrageous. Was I mean, it making TSM seem better? Like, I think that they were trying to like pass around the blame. It's like, oh, maybe it's a team thing, but it's like, yes, like people should definitely be zoning for the yeah. AD carry so the AD carry can hit. <laughs> like, I agree with that on a fundamental level. I think yes. Kai's correct on that. But yes. like, your AD carry has to play with their you their their peripherals plugged in. Like that is <laughs> that is necessary. Or, or if they're game. not, or if they're not going to do that, simply don't walk up. In that situation, like there are many choices that can be made. It wasn't it wasn't as binary as as they it's, made it. It's sound. a max range Lux binding, guys. Like <laughs> I know, but like watching watching Hooney sit there and be like, like know yeah, that it was my answer. <laughs> yeah, and then just like <laughs> nod and be like, yeah, I should have done that. Like I was like, oh Hooney, I'm 
I'm a fan now. I'm the, a fan now. I, number, I, I would just, I would, I wish that he was just fucking real as hell and be like, I don't know, bro. Like, you think our 80 carries should not be able to dodge this binding? Like, just challenge high on it. Like, you really think that a professional 80 <laughs> carry should be able to not dodge this max range Lux Q? Lux Q is not even some super fast, like, it's not a Blitzcrank hook where it's like faster. Like, no, this shit is like pretty slow missile speed. Like he's positioning on the opposite side. So it's not like a close range. It is a max range Lux Q. Please fucking dodge it. And then also like, I love how every single time that TSM gets criticized in any way, they just throw in little bits of like communication. Like it's like, oh, well, so I think there was actually a communication issue where like Spika said he was actually coming around because he was afraid to, to walk in front of like the whole enemy team. They always sprinkle like that in, like, around in the jungle. What the fuck? <laughs> but like, what, what the fuck are we talking about? This is communication. This is a communication, bro. This is playing League of Legends. You should be able, like, in a solo queue game, right? Let's let's imagine you're in solo queue and your your AD carry does that. Is no one gonna type to the AD carry? You think you think somebody's gonna be like, actually, uh, Spika, it was your fault. Like you should have been zoning. Like no, what the fuck? Like come on, you just can't get hit by that shit. Yeah. Monty's I'd... Monty's like 45 years old and he hasn't played this game in the last five years and he could dodge that shit. <laughs> like... I have terrible mechanics. That's true. Yeah. That's true. yeah. And he would dodge it. So like, what's your excuse? <laughs> I, I just, I, I think that segment is a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate high for stepping up and being able to break it down and talk to the players in a way that they're, they're like that made Hooney accept all the blame for that. And also big props to Hooney who probably just got lambasted in review and then stood out there and <laughs> got lambasted publicly uh, by high being like, so what, what could you have possibly been talking about other than lining up here? And you know, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, we should have done that. Um, speaking I, I just, of, I just find these segments just like, I don't care if you, if you, this is one of the core problems with riot products, right? In, in any game, in any region of league of legends, right? Is that what, I understand why you don't want to antagonize the player that there's that's there, but there has to be somebody who who has the courage after that segment is over on the fucking desk to be like, I really don't agree with that. And it's it's not it's not a controversial opinion, but there has to be some other narrative that is presented there, right? It's ridiculous. I, I, mean, I, I like don't the think segments, anyone... honestly. I, I I just take the the segments for what they are. Like at least we're I mean, I think the blabber <laughs> segment was really good. I just don't understand why they're doing it with like the losing team on a play from like yesterday and today where like they haven't even gone to like review it yet. Oh, I think that that was a little bit weird. Here's the reason why, because they've already picked that person because they have the play from yesterday ready. So the person is just has to opt into it. Whether I mean, they, they had win the live play. Like, they didn't have no, to I don't, I don't, I don't push back on that. Monty. I feel like they would be able to get the right player a, I mean, they did, whenever they, they wanted. I feel like they chose Huni because, because they Huni did blabber. They did blabber from from the same day, right? Like, wasn't Blabber's whole yeah. pro view about the Volibear game that he had just played? Like, yeah, the that red same buff. Day? No, 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 they do both. Yeah. They did both. They did the the previous day and the current day. What I'm saying is, they probably picked they picked a clip from the previous day and informed the player, and then they had to while the game was going on, they picked a different clip to add to it. Yeah, that's be, usually how production the, works. I could be wrong. No, no, no. But I would say you're right on this one because the TSM game that that play specifically was was the last game. The last yes. game of the day. So they couldn't do it then. So they're like, all right, we'll just get who needs to do it now. Oh no, there's more plays that we can review in the EG I don't game. Know. Anyway. Uh, from Wait, did Sunday. they actually do the 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 day before for the blabber play? I thought it was just the maybe I'll have to look at no, it. No, I'm talking about the Hooney oh. one. The Hooney one. The Blabber play was same day. 
The Huni yeah, one. It was all same day though. Like there yeah, wasn't was any section. Day. Okay. All right. But they couldn't do the TSM uh the the tactical play because that was against Dignitas and it was the last game of the day. They weren't gonna mm. pull him in to stay later uh, on Saturday like evening. Um well if you feel like you want more content better than what you're seeing from the LCS and sometimes where you know you're making people to stand just in front and make fun of them and you feel bad, make sure to subscribe to Deserto because we're making fun of things and we don't have someone here that feels bad. So it's all just good feelings here. You feel a little bad. Podcast. I feel, feel a little bad sometimes, especially yeah. when we dive into like FlyQuest, uh, which I don't want to dive into too much, but I will clump them into our next segment, which are our squads that are currently on losing streaks. So we hit Golden Guardians. We hit uh, TSM. We will quickly brush over the O2 week for FlyQuest. But then Immortals is on a five-game losing streak. And Monty, I, I agree with the sentiment that you've seen going around. A lot of blame is being put onto Revenge on the top side of the map. What, what did Revenge is, do to you guys? Seriously. Who has like, put the team in multiple opportunities to win, and, and they just haven't been able to. But then for some reason, he gets the flame. He, he did have a bad game versus Summit and Z9. Like, that's... I, I feel like Summit has been gapping a lot of people, though. Uh, I think Revenge probably had a worse game than normal. But I think if you look at the season as a whole, and certainly if you look at the game against Dignitas, like, he was their only win condition at the end. Like, look at what happened to this poor man. Like, his bot dies, then he has to teleport bot in order to fix the fucking problem. He goes top lane as Aurelia. He's 2-0. He's the only hope in this game. Then all of his team goes and has disastrous 4v2, like, terrible dive in the bottom lane and he's the only fucking hope guys like what do, you, what do you want revenge to do he can't stop his team from like getting completely wrecked in bot lane multiple times a game he already saved one of the problem you know saved it one time if you actually look at his entire like breadth of work over this season as dom alluded to before he's probably the best native top laner he hasn't been getting a lot of help overall uh, he actually is in terms of, you know, damage percentage as a top laner. And this has been skewed, obviously, by people playing Enchanter top lane. So we have to say that first up and foremost. But it's because his team has been relying on him as a carry a lot of the time. He's second only to Summit in terms of damage percentage as a top laner. Even in absolute damage, he's third behind Whippo in terms of damage per minute. He has been funneled resources. Interestingly, Power of Evil is also very, very high in damage percentage. He's actually number one in the entire league, which is curious given his itemization I mean, and builds. It's, it's it's not it's not that curious to me because like his eighty carries do zero fucking damage, and normally this is that's going to be the person. This is correct, but e but even in terms of DPM, Dom, he's third. So even in absolute numbers, he he still is actually outputting. So it's not just in percentage, but yes, his eighty carries are two of the bottom three players in the league in damage percentage. So yes, that is true. And if you just look at what Immortals has had to work with, like they're put in these positions so often. And like, I don't think Revenge should be clear of criticism. I think when Revenge has had an advantage, look at the Aurelia game, look at the TSM game that they lost. He actually doesn't push his advantage as hard as I think he should a lot of the time. I think he needs to be more aggressive in certain situations. Uh, but Overall, I would not say that he is the core issue with this roster, and certainly I don't think he is not worthy of being in the LCS. He's 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 a top five top laner, guys. Like, is he? 
Top five? I could see it. I could see it. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's I'm really it. sad that like Impact. the best North American top laner. I mean, the, so the clear top four are Whippo, uh, Summit, Impact, and Someday, right? And then right. Yeah. you could say whoever is like fifth, sixth. I mean, there's a huge gap between four and four and five, though, for sure. On the well, I mean, I guess it's debatable because Someday actually had a pretty bad week, but he's had a good split, though. Yeah, he's yeah. had a good split. He's had, he's had a he's had a good split. He's had a good split overall, but um. I mean, a lot of those games are on Tryndamere. Now teams are banning Tryndamere. You want to see him be able to play things other than Tryndamere. He plays the side into Dark, completely fucking runs it down, gets shit on by Licorice. But anyways, anyways, the point I was going to make is, does like does anyone else just feel sad watching Revenge versus Summit? Because like Revenge, I think, is like the best NA top later. Like, I really think that even mechanically, oh, no. he is by far our best one, right? Like Kumo is probably better than, than Fake God and, and Jenkins. I think Fake God and Jenkins just like... They're, I don't think they're ever like going to be top players in this league. I'm going to be honest. I think they're going to be, I think fake God's going to be bottom tier for the rest of his time that he's in LCS. And then he'll just eventually like fade away. And then we'll just have somebody else replace him. No one will even notice that he's gone. He's the Lorlo of our era. Anyway, continue. At least Lorlo streamed and has like personality though. So anyways, and, um, and created <laughs> Janet, Janet top. That was, Lorlo. and he created Janet top kind of, he sold it for somebody else, but he, yeah, yeah, we'll say he created like, I just feel sad when I watch Revenge play against Summit because I go into that game, I'm like, all right, like, maybe he could do something, you know? But he just got fucking bodied as hard yeah. as possible for the whole fucking game. Like, he didn't, there was a, there wasn't a moment where he wasn't getting completely shit on by Summit. Took, Summit yeah. solo killed him, took five plates, took the tier two <laughs> solo. Like, they Yikes. sent four people top at the end of the game. He's just 1v4ing them. Someone had Triforce and Holebreaker like 16 minutes in the fucking game. When I watch this game, I'm like, God damn, bro. Is, is NA like, is this the best? This is the best North American top laner we have. And that's how, like, it doesn't even look like, it looks like he's never going to be able to beat Summit. <laughs> that, that's how it looks in the game. I'm not saying that that's true, but that's just how it feels when you watch I mean, like, it. It doesn't think... feel like he has any advantage in any way. Like, normally I you think... see a mechanical advantage out of somebody you'd be like oh he's the young mechanical guy and he's gonna be able to beat like summit in terms of that but it's like somebody just looks like he's better at like every part of top lane the darshan where it's like wow he's playing grogason look at that perfect tp he's down 100 cs but he got a great engage for the rest of his team yeah, to carry. Was like, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was like nothing where i was looking at it and i was like yeah revenge is actually better like what is revenge better than some summit at in terms of being a top laner I mean, nothing, but the, I mean, look, Summit is one of, is legitimately one of the best top lane players in the world. It is incredible to me that he even chose to come to North America when he literally would be an upgrade on any of the top laners in any of the top three LCK teams, mm -hmm. objectively. He's an upgrade on, he could be in a potential world championship team and he's not. So, okay, but let, let's even take somebody like Bwipo. Like, I feel like Bwipo is just better than every. I mean, I guess he did technically solo kill Bwipo when Bwipo completely like, into it out of his mind, but like, is that really a solo kill? Like, am I, am I feel, do I, mean, I feel good about solo that? Solo killed kill? Blippo. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I'm saying that that solo kill is like, it's, it's not yeah, an it was inspiring fraudulent. solo kill. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, Blippo just ulted into the turret and died. Like, I guess, yeah. like, it was a fraudulent solo kill for sure. Yeah. I mean, it um, is what it is. It's put like, it on the stats. I, I think, I think as depressing as it is, Dom, I think it's really important to remember that. North American players who have come up in the last during the pandemic have not had the off-season training opportunities that North American players have typically had in terms of going to Korea. You know, last week Revenge was on Summoning Insight and talking about how he 
was able to go to Korea this winter for the first time, but even then he was in a really shitty like quarantine situation. It wasn't ideal. Uh, the experience he had was, was more difficult than it would be normally. These players really haven't had a chance to go to proper boot camps, right. For a long, for, forever in their, in their entire professional career, basically. And so before we dismiss all of these up and coming players, I think it's important to give them the offseason opportunities and or international experience that would allow us to judge their ability to grow. Right. And I'm excited, even if EG doesn't make worlds like I assume Jojo Pian going to Korea and being in Korean solo queue would help him a lot, you know, for a couple of months. I've seen tremendous growth from North American players who have done that in the past. Yeah, like Keith McBrief, he got top four and then he came back to Look, NA. I've also seen Golden Glue. Okay. It's not, it's not, but I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. I was trying to benefit from it. I was trying to steal my point from it. I just Some failed. Players don't benefit from it, but they haven't even had, most of them haven't even had the opportunity in order to see if they can benefit from it or not. Right. I mean, I heard Strazed. Summit say that Champions Q is similar to Korean Challenger. So. You know, maybe maybe they don't even need to go to Korea that seems <laughs> like that seems like a Korean interview lie. But my my Korean interview lie detector is going off right now. Monty, Monty immediately went like <laughs> something is has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> uh all right. Well, I think that is most of the LCS that I wanted to hit on. Um we we kinda had I mean, is there anything else that we wanted to touch on before we uh move on from this? No, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I mean, I can talk about LCS forever, but you know, we'll, we'll save some for uh, let's talk about fun things instead, Dom. Yeah, okay, we'll, sounds good. We'll talk about fun things. Let's hop to it. A reminder that the jungle is presented by Lost Ark. Again, you can have the opportunity to join millions of players around the world uh, hopping on to Lost Ark, pick multiple different classes. I, myself, am a governor, play the Deadeye play style with multiple different, I think there's three different uh, 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 styles, weapons that you play with up close, long range, a big shotgun. Uh, lots of fun if you like the overhead fixed camera, kind of just hack and slash, do it with your friends. Uh, definitely something to check out. So again, thanks to our uh, sponsor, Lost Ark, for making it happen. All right, elsewhere in the League of Legends world, we had a treat. Uzi came back yet again, the second time. I mean, he had played one game in the LPL earlier for Billy Billy Gaming, but it was BLG versus V5, the top team in the LPL, and uh, better known as the team that Rookie is on. And they had themselves a best of three that was so fun to, it was so fun. I normally get tired when I'm watching games. That game made me want to run through a wall and more importantly, watch the next Billy Billy game that I will set up here after this segment. But Victory 5, BLG, a great matchup, a great series went the distance there. Uh, Dom, I'll defer to you on this one. Uh, this matchup was so good, but it was a battle of titans, and it felt like we got to see uh, the, the, the class and the glory of Rookie just kind of gushing through here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the the main thing that I, I I come to right now is like how fucking good is rookie still? Like he just still. Yeah, I mean, he just pops off like every and the thing that's so impressive about him is that his laning is still really insane which is something that normally you don't see like normally the progression of players is they start off really good in lane and as they get like more mature i mean like think about other other laners that have had like long careers but careers that are much shorter than rookies like think about caps for example i started off as this like really talented mechanical mid laner and he's solo killing everyone no one can lane against him and then eventually he, they they fade into being more of like a team player and they're they take, they take less risks and they're more just about playing for uh, the team and things like that. It just feels like so insane that Rookie is still a top tier laner, like especially on, on like mages and shit. He's a top tier laner and he's what, like nine years into his fucking pro career, into his like top level pro career. He's nine years in. So he won worlds like five years ago. I mean, compare that to almost any other mid laner in the world. You won't see longevity like this and especially this type of longevity where they're just still fucking insane at that like raw skill test mechanics like style of play that you know normally favors the younger more like upcoming players yeah and he's he's unquestionably the second greatest mid laner of all time could have a conversation about greatest uh you know depending on the future for sure whether he's going to challenge faker or not is a question for me he's the best oriana player that is ever uh i i've consistently been impressed with his play on that champion. Normally I find or watching Oriana to be incredibly boring when he plays it. Uh, I love watching it. Um, he is amazing. Once again, in this series on that champion, we get to see his, his Ari as well, which is a big factor in their, their win in the final game. Um, I think the series is incredibly, it, it's, it was looking pretty dire there for V5 at the start of game three, especially with what was going on with the early invade on Dakarsa's Vi, which I thought was some really cool, like jungle pathing and based off of the creation of pressure in the bot lane that uh, the Ezreal Karma lane was also like shoved in. And I think they played out a kind of like set play super well against the Vi and it put V5 in a very bad situation, but the solo lanes managed to carry it. Uh, Vi was able to do her job later in terms of lockdown. Uh, the single target lockdown in this comp is really interesting. And I think that V5 was correctly able to identify their win condition by using, you know, not ult, Vi ult, uh, charm and, and these kind of single target CC spells uh, against Uzi and uh, kind of nullify the lead. But it was it was a very compelling game overall, I thought. Yeah, uh, just constant. It was constant. Like, I can't believe they did that. There was times where PP God would step in in front of uh, damage shock blasts that were coming on through. There was a, I can only describe it as a no look shock blast that Rich did as he was like at the Drake pit where he was running to the right towards blue buff and shoots it backwards to hit Over Uzi who thought he was, yeah, to, like it was to, to catch Uzi off guard because Uzi was also, dodging everything. Rich's triple kill at the end was fucking insane. I mean, the Rich's fact that V5 oh, won against a Hextech soul uh, very unlikely that they would be able to do that, but they had, I would say, the right kind of composition in order to make that happen, where they had strong poke, where maybe being slowed temporarily wouldn't make as big of a difference, or they were able to use the the single target CC to kind of like overcome that difficulty. But it really is, that, especially that third game is really, an, I think, an incredible win by by V5. The yep. the third game, which which was the Oriana game, was that the second game or the no? That was the Ari the, the Ari game was the last game. Ari okay, Jace, the, the 
The Oriana game, again, was a rookie highlight reel all in one. He, three v five one of the, the decisive, game. yes, the three v five, they had to defend the dragon and he legit walked up into Fofo's face. Fofo was playing Zoe and said, I dare you to hit, you know, sleepy trouble bubble and Fofo missed. And then uh rookie went in and cleaned everything up. It was it was incredible. Yep. It was incredible. And it's, and it's it not incredible. hard to see. This is the thing that, that's great about LPL is like when the, when the teams are ahead, they just fucking win the game. So like if you want to watch rookie pop off, you don't have to invest 45 minutes or an hour. The whole <laughs> game is over at 24 minutes. You want to see rookie go 8-0 and 4 and 3v5 at Seoul? Like that's a 24 minute experience right there. And just like the, <laughs> the, the, the presence that he has, like, you know, like that, that, that level of confidence. You can just look at rookie. He walks into three people, dodges one skill shot, flashes another, dodges the third one, kills two people. They take fucking soul. They end the game. It's like, God damn, bro. You should probably not give this guy Oriana ever <laughs> again. Like don't let him play Oriana. He is too good at the champion. Yeah. There was like another play he did. He put the ball down and then walked backwards and then flash forwards and moved the yep. ball like an inch, an inch. Yep. And it caught someone else off guard. They died. I think that was Dongo because between, Dongo was still It was like between the, the two turrets in mid too. Yes. So he thought he was safe and uh, it was playing in the control warded brush by uh, by Raptors. It was very it was smart. So good. It was so good. Anyway, uh, that, that was a fantastic series to watch. Uh, Karsa on that squad as well for Victory 5 and Fotik, uh, the uh, bot laner for that one, uh, finishing it up. On the opposite side uh, for BLG, Doggo and Uzi, right? So Doggo started the game. He's been playing most of the series. Uh, Uzi comes in uh, as the substitute. Uh, duos with Crisp, obviously Crisp world champion over with FPX, uh, with Fofo, Weiwei, and Breathe. And they didn't, they, they looked, they looked great. They looked great. It was just an out-of-this-world performance by Rookie and the rest of the squad that are, you know, kind of running on all cylinders. Uh, and then they had another series uh, BLG did against reigning world champions, uh, Edward Gaming, EDG, showing up. So in this game, you had Uzi starting all of the series. So you had uh, Viper Mako against Uzi Crisp, I believe. And that one was uh, was an interesting one as well as uh, that one EDG come back and, and win that one. But uh, dish out why this one was such a huge one here, Dom. Well, I mean, I think the, the bot lane matchup is everything that people dream of. I mean, I don't think you can get a better bot lane matchup in any domestic league right now that, or like a more historic one than, than Uzi versus Viper. It's like somebody who was considered the best AD carry in the history of the world. And the other one is, is the one of the best AD carries right now. I mean, I, I know some people will... Reigning world Viper. champion, yeah, yeah. Debate Viper Gumiyushi, but he's also the reigning world champion, former or like reigning LC, uh, LPL champion, um, coming in. So I feel like this is just like such a matchup where you just you see the names and how could you not watch? It's Viper versus Uzi, like that. That's what it like. You don't even have to think about BLG versus EDG. It is Viper versus Uzi. It is some of the best AD carries that you know. I mean, these players are probably going to go down as some of the best AD carries in the history uh, of the game, right? And they're playing well, not only that, other. but between these two series, you get two signature Uzi champions and Ezreal and, and Kaisa mm -hmm. as well. These are champions that he is extremely well known for. And guess what? The other two games you get Uzi on Zeri. So you Zeri. get to see him on a brand new, you know, high mobility, high Which mechanical Uzi champion. Yeah, it just feels like Azari just feels like an Uzi champion, right? So, I mean, it, it was I think really exciting overall, and I I want your I, since I haven't watched all of uh, Billy Billy's games, Dom. 
it really, I, I thought Uzi did great in all the games basically that he played and Doggo also did fine. And it just feels like it's, to me, from this these two best of threes, it really felt like the AD carry was not the problem on this lineup in in any sense. Uh, you know, whether it was Doggo, whether it was Uzi. So was Doggo having off games earlier? Because I thought he was fine. Uh, I was a little surprised by the substitution actually um, in the first series. He is somebody who I would consider to be like, well, so I don't think that he's getting subbed because he's playing bad. I think he's getting subbed because it's to bring in Uzi, you know, like it's sure. like, all right, like this is Uzi time. Like this is, this is a, a important best of series. Like, you know, it changes things up. So like normally like subs are utilized in situations like that anyway, um, if they're like actually subs at play. So I think it's more just to bring in Uzi. I think Doggo's been like, I would say pretty high variance in a lot of his games. Like he's had some like super pop off performances. Like there's some affiliates games where he's going absolutely nuts. And there's also just some team fights where he completely runs it down. Um, so I think that that's kind of just been the way that, that, that doggo has been, but I think that BLG as a team, like they, like you said, it doesn't really matter uh, which 80 carry is playing. I think that the, the people that need to step up is uh, are uh, breathe and Fofo to me. I think that these are the two players that I really want to see play better because in an LPL, these were guys that were at the top of their role. I mean, most people would have considered Fofo a top three mid. I mean, there was a period where Scout wasn't in the conversation for being a top three mid. The top three mids in people's minds in LPL last year were uh, B Knight, and then Fofo. Because Fofo was the only reason RA was getting anything done. And, you know, like RA was actually a top five, top six team um, off his back. And he was having really hard carry performances there. Breathe on WE one of the best top laners in he was one of the best top laners in the world at, at, at a point. And especially the way that he was playing on like Camille, Akali, all these like really high skill top laners. He was being able to show how, uh, how dominant he was. And right now when you see them play together, they just feel like normal top and mid laners. Like they don't feel like anything special, which I think they're going to need to be if this team is going to do anything in playoffs, because uh, yeah, I mean, we're about to get into playoffs. You have Weibo who's falling off a little bit. We don't know how good they'll be. But V5, EDG, you have RNG, like those are already three teams. I mean, it's pretty hard. Like if LNG gets back into form, there could be like a world where you might not make worlds with a roster that's supposed to be a super team. Like this team is supposed to be able to potentially win worlds and it just hasn't been looking like it's at that caliber so far. Especially with EDG actually having Flandre back now and Flandre, I thought, looked fine in, in the games that they played against Billy Billy. Um Oh, yeah, I, it, I mean, there's just weird. There were just some very, I think, odd things about Billy Billy overall. Like they would take fights with like crucial ults like Heckle down. Um, a lot of times they go really deep and like overpress their advantages that they had. It felt like sometimes they weren't properly playing around the leads that Uzi was generating. Because in several of these games, Uzi has massive leads early, like huge uh, that you would think would in in historic Uzi games, those typically yeah. result in <laughs> Uzi yeah, victories. <laughs> so, um, and you know, when we have games where like Uzi is losing and then also not even dying in said game, there has to be some fundamental issue with the way that these team that, that Billy Billy is approaching these games and not accelerating around the 80 carry leads properly. Yeah, uh, just for more clarification specifically on that role and uh, how Uzi was playing, they had one more game. They already played one game this week for week number nine against Ultra Prime. 
and Uzi finished uh, 7, 8, and 16, two games of Jinx, uh, and got outpointed in that second game against Elk, the bot laner of uh, Ultra Prime. I think he was 8 and 3 in that one. So uh, the move, I kind of, that, I think the move then echoes Dom's assertion where it's like they're trying to change the way that the team can play when they make those substitutions not necessarily like this player's good this player's bad uh and for our viewers at home lpl playoffs will get locked in later this week the way it works it's a gauntlet dom i believe right yep. it's a gauntlet for it's our a, for it's the for, best it's the best bracket in east in uh professional league of legends right now so it starts off um at like a gauntlet uh, style based off your rank in the regular season so it's 10 teams make it out of the 17 teams and then the 10th and 9th place team play the 7th and 8th winners play 5 and 6 and then winners of those matches play 3 and 4 and then it becomes double elimination for the top 4 so every, from, from yeah. semifinals onward it's double elim so if you're yeah. seed 1 or seed 2 you're guaranteed to be in the double elim portion yep and then the 3rd and 4th versus the 5th and 6th or whoever comes out of the 5th and 6th matchup that will determine like who uh, will fight the one and two for the double elimination. So there's 13 matches overall in the the um, playoffs, regardless, like it's, it's always the same number. Um, and you get to see a lot of like really interesting storylines. So for example, in 2021, last two years, the team that ended up winning, uh, which was RNG in spring and EDG in summer, ended up losing the first round of their double elimination um, going into the loser's bracket and then coming up through the loser's bracket. And that's why FPX was big favorites in the finals against both of them because going into that final versus EDG in summer, FPX was 6-0. and They hadn't dropped a game the entire playoffs and they finished in first. So, like, they were massive favorites. Um, so I, th I think that just LPL playoffs just become super interesting because there's so many good matches. All of them are best of five. Um, and then the teams are really just not afraid to pull out unique picks. I mean, I think that that's one thing that having best of threes really trains you for is you know, being able to play your first or second game in a series extremely aggressively and go with a creative draft. Um, so, and yeah, not I mean, tilt, I think just tilt into oblivion because you lose one game. Yeah, exactly. You, you like, could stay mentally that. strong. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Like, if they're playing best of threes, I mean, maybe TSM would not be two and 11. You know, maybe they could be zero and 13, which would be the dream. So, <laughs> that would be <laughs> that'd be really insane. So, yeah, I mean, LPL players like, just like T1, they, they wouldn't be undefeated if it was best of ones. You know, true. True. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, or possibly of, if other teams fielded rosters against them. I don't know. And that that one there. Uh Fred at Brian, Brian. I that one always fucks me up. Uh they Reddit unfortunately Reddit had, Reddit Brian. Reddit your Brian. favorite your favorite commentator commentator. I will say, I will say they're yeah, he's my favorite. Their uh branding is it's bro time. I love that. Hashtag bro day, bro time. It's like, that's that's good, Brandon. Hashtag uh, bro culture, Riot Games. Oh, wait, never mind. That's a different and then, type of... <laughs> and then they put out the... Uh, unfortunately for Fred O'Brien, they had to put out their Academy Bros out there because there was... Yeah. It was it was a, a bro job this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't, I don't think bro jobs were that bad, Monty. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Monty's had some bad bro jobs. Who knows? <laughs> You'll have to tell me who gives who gives the best pro jobs, Tom, later. Off, off, uh, TSM off, is really off, good at sucking right oh, now, so I would say. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> really mastered the art of the suck. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian had to put in their academy roster because COVID happened. 
Uh, T1 ran through them. But before that, they had their matchup against the Kwangdong uh, Freaks, formerly Freak Freaks, to make history. 15 matches in a row. Uh, maybe not a game, so 15 matches in a row. Uh, and uh, T1 able to do it. Monty, take it away in that series. What happened? Uh, I mean, to me, I, I found this series like a lot less interesting than than the LPL series overall. Uh, I, I think most people will focus probably on Kaisa mid from Faker, which was his 71st champion that he's played at the professional level, which is pretty insane because that's almost half the champions in League of Legends um, that he, he has now played in his long and illustrious career. What's interesting to, to me about T1 is uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the KT game that they played. Um the T1 KT game where KT did surprisingly well, despite being a pretty bad team uh, in recent weeks. Yeah. And a lot of that, if you actually look at the compositions they were running was, I mean, it was basically what CLG ran this past week when they played against golden guardians, which is having Ari and uh, the uh, Rek'Sai in the jungle and then the Kai'Sa in the bot lane. And what these are, these are like long range, basically can go over walls pick compositions and i think prior to this t1 and actually nobody was really using kaisa very heavily in lck and i think t1 by almost losing to this bad team running this composition realized how strong these picks can be and so ever since then faker has basically i think this last week he basically he only played ari galio and kaisa mid and you're seeing T1 ever since that game with KT very aggressively move into high mobility pick compositions. And while I don't think anybody's going to say Kaisa mid is going to become the new normal, um, I think overall you look at the kind of poke damage that you can achieve with a W Evolve Luden's Kaisa and see the damage that that can put out and then the all in potential if you hit a if you hit a squishy carry and you combo that with a Jace in the top lane uh it's very dangerous right now and you can really easily turn games on their head by hitting a couple Kaisa Ws and yeah. that it, it's probably very broken uh, especially because you get that what 75% or whatever massive CDR reduction it once it's evolved it, yeah. Uh, and the, the burst damage it puts out is, is absurd. Uh, and this, this is Kaisa's probably moving into the realm of first pick slash ban status at this point yep. in time, maybe not in the West because it actually takes a good amount of coordination. Like you, you're not going to fight front to back team fights with this Kaisa. You're like, you're not going to do that and, and be super successful. But if you are, uh, an Asian team that plays Vex or you play, uh, Jay Swell, or you like you can play whip out the Rek'Sai if necessary. Um, you have other long range pick or engage tools. The Ari, uh, she's really strong, really strong. And you just have to position yourself in a way where you're getting either huge chunks off their backline or killing certain members before you actually engage in these fights, which is not something that, as the Golden Guardians 100 Thieves game showed us. LCS teams are super good at doing, but if you are good at doing it, it is fucking devastating, basically. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. I, I think that Kaisa mid is probably 
like I don't I don't see what advantage Kaisa mid has over something like Corky. It's like I mean Corky was I, I don't think it's great. No. Yeah, but I can see it definitely going bot lane a lot. I mean, I think that there's specific combos that have been in the game for a while. And normally when there's these new champions or not new champions, but if champions come back into the meta, you, you got to it really test teams memory to see, like, do yeah. they remember what was actually good with these champions before? Because there's been enough League of Legends at this point where you can go back really easily and identify uh, trends in, in compositions. So something that I liked that COG did, for example, this weekend was they paired the TF with the Kai'Sa. So obviously TF um, doesn't do that much damage in general, especially if you're going Everfrost into Rapid Fire Cannon. You're not really a, a huge damage dealing champion because the way the TF really functions is as a utility champion. And the way you supplement your team's magic damage is then by having a Kai'Sa that goes this, like hybrid poke build. Um, and then, so like that's already like a good comp right there in terms of damage type. But then furthermore, the TF being able to ult into places and land gold cards on people enables Kaisa to ult like after level 11 and get picks on people that are not really that far out of position. So people have to relearn how to play against um, champions like that. So I want to see which teams actually are able to also uh, provide like, have... vision for Kaisa W's as well. I mean, there's, there's a ton of big advantages, right? Yeah. So, so that's like, that's a synergy we've seen before. That was something that before you could not give a team. It's like, Oh, don't give them TF and Kaisa when they were both, First pickable champions, TF was super broken, Kaiser was super broken. Um, this was how a lot of teams like to draft, and I think it's still really effective. I think that this is a, a strategy that um, pretty much only fell out of favor because Kaisa was bad. People couldn't really figure out a way to make Kaisa work, and when Kaisa's a weak lane phase, things like Jinx and Aphelios are completely dicking her in the bot lane. People will just drop it, and they just start trading long-range ADs. So I want to see which teams are able to actually develop um, strategies around the Kaisa and enable it. Because I feel like what happens a lot in the West is people pick champions because they're OP, but they don't develop comps that allow the champions to thrive. So they end up with comps of like a bunch of strong champions, but all those champions don't really have synergies. So it makes the game also a lot harder to play because you don't know what you're actually playing for. You're like, okay, I mean, Kaisa wants to poke, but this other mid laner like wants to like, you know, play front to back. Like it's like a Kaisa and an Orianna or some shit. So I want to see teams actually develop these like, comps around around uh the new champions that are coming into the meta but yeah i don't i don't think kaisa mid specifically is super good um i think it could function into leblanc but i don't necessarily want to see too much kaisa mid from other players i don't think it's that strong i think that corky is pretty much a better version of it mid lane a lot of the time yeah and, and, and to be clear I, I i'm double checking the stats here but it wasn't the the cleanest game from Faker. A couple of those ults he went in, it was to kill Teddy. It was to yeah, be like, all I, right, look, I'm assassinating you, he, and then I'm you're fine making that trade. I think if you're Faker, yeah. So I'm not gonna. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he had a Galio game earlier where he. The the thing is, is that in this particular game, like if he kills Teddy, there is no more damage. Like they have fucking yeah. Orn. So you know, if he does his job and makes that trade. I think it's fine. Uh, Teddy played well in games one and two, both on the Aphelios. Uh, and then in game three, also on the Aphelios, was just getting picked out by Faker time and time again. And there was no damage there. Uh, yeah. So that was that. Cool. I think this is a good time for us to bring up our uh, next segment, the fan favorite. It's Goddard Dog. Uh, as we think about... Global League of Legends, who's playing well, who's not playing well, who do we want to uh, give the shout-outs to? So, um, give you guys a second to think about it. 
and then I'll put Dom on the spot. Dom, who is your God of the Week? Let's go positive. Uh, I think my God of the Week is just going to be Summit again. I mean, like it has this guy to be, is right. He's just so just fucking good. Like he's just <laughs> shit. Like I don't think you can have a much better Nar versus Trindomir game than what he had. I mean, it obviously takes the enemy misplaying to some degree as well. But like, I don't really know what I would fault someday on. He just looks so fucking good right now. So. I think my my I'm gonna you know if I'm going first I'm gonna go for the obvious one right no, here. No, I I, agree. I think I I think like it's pretty clear. Like Summit is on a I think un uh, barring some absolute catastrophe to end this season, which does seem very unlikely to occur. And even if he plays badly for the rest of the split, what little there is left, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't get MVP. I don't even think there's like another player really in the conversation. For for MVP. It was Berserker earlier, but I I think that was about it. No, I I don't think it's just it's the level of difference and the fact that when he's behind, he finds good ways to play his champions. When he's ahead, he absolutely, you know, galaxy smashes the other team. And in terms of actual value, if you think about MVP as I mean, he's certainly like the highest wins above replacement player. Like if you yeah. replace him with literally every anyone else, like C9 is a significantly worse team. So yeah. I agree with that. Uh, Monty, then is, are you going with the same one or you just have a different one? No, I, I, I mean, I would go with the, the same one overall. Uh, that would be, I think that would be my decision also. Uh, I, I think the other one you have to point out is probably Rookie this week, who was just absolutely phenomenal um in the in the series against billy billy um just so crazy good i i it's it would again in a similar way to summit it would be hard to imagine rich obviously had a very good game on jace but that game three it'd be hard to imagine them winning with a different mid laner that wasn't rookie on the re yes that again i I love that one that one's great that one made me love league of legends again uh for me cc <laughs> dom the only thing it took to rekindle your love of lol was watching some asian lol it's weird <laughs> how it does that it's weird how it does that <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it was just like you know lcs is very procedural you're like okay they're gonna do this next all right let's prepare ourselves for the throw okay this was it was just scrappy taking it like just away from everyone and just uh oh, <laughs> yeah go go watch that game too rookie on oriana just go watch that whole series, uh, B5 and BLG. Uh, for me, I'll strike while the iron's hot. Let's let's give some props to uh, a team that is on a winning streak. I think a three-game winning streak. Uh, let's give it to Counter Luger Gaming. Uh, Luger uh, finishing the weekend at 10 and 2. Two games of Kaisa staying further back, but leading CLG to uh, a perfect weekend, which I think it's actually their second 2-0 weekend. So they've done a lot of 0-2 weekends, and then they've had two 2-0 weekends. So CLG doing uh, pretty great, and it has been on their pickup of Luger, who has been by and far their best player, and now I think worthy of a standout performance if we're taking away Summit. Like, <laughs> uh, Okay. With that, I think it's time for our uh, Dog of the Week. Dog of the Week. Who should it's, it has to be tactical, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll go for somebody else. That's who no, no. really jumps to mind. It was Hooney. <laughs> it was obviously Hooney's fault. That I learned from high. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Uh, Thank God. All right. 
you you can take tactical. Who do you got, Dom? Well, look, let me let me explain about tactical. Right. People were people were so fucking high on tactical because they played like these they played the enchanter compositions where he had like 70% of his team's damage or whatever on the jinx and literally everybody was just all in on providing shields, heals, resources, protection for for tactical. And when he doesn't get that, I I think he makes super questionable plays. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, t one of Team Liquid's goals was to replace Tactical uh, during the offseason. I think that as a primary carry, he is incredibly problematic and he isn't something somebody that you can build a team around. He is is too, I think, capricious overall in his play. It's very difficult to rely on him. I, I, I don't know who you would build around on that TSM roster because I wouldn't I know you had MVP and speaker, but he was an enabler to, you know, uh, lanes that were around a accelerator, accelerator to lanes around and was the best at it last week, but or last season. But I don't know who you would build around. And I think they had to guess and try and figure it out. And I think they got it a lot wrong. They got it a lot wrong other than Hooney in the top lane, who presumably is expensive. Uh, I just find it odd because TSM should know who this guy is because he literally played for their academy team previously, right? So no, those guys are gone. <laughs> uh, all those people who knew. It was like, hey, we got to go get our boy back on at TSM. I heard he might be out of a job. All right, see y'all later. Dude, the, the, the fact that Parth and, and other leadership that made those decisions, Lena, get away with like what seems like scot-free and we're just shitting on the current TSM management leadership astounds me. It astounds me. It, it doesn't take away from. They've said that they didn't want this roster. Yeah, so. I mean, I think I think that's why because like because they they said publicly they're like, hey, this is the roster we wanted. Like we wanted like yeah, a Lena Jensen doublelift Vulcan. Yeah, <laughs> the, we wanted Jensen doublelift Vulcan. Speak a Hooney. That's the roster we wanted, and TSM didn't go for it. So like we obviously don't know if that's true, but if we take it at face value, then yeah, for sure they're on a better side of it than this. Like. Hard to take anything at face value when we weren't doing interviews beforehand, and now I know that the owner sits outside and forces people to do interviews. Yeah, nice. They're pretty good at sleight of hand as I hold cards and I'm shuffling them. Uh, Dom, who you got as Dog of the Week? Ooh, it's tough. Um, so I think that my my Dog of the Week for, for this week, it's going to be going to be a, a little bit of a Did you like Power one. of Evil's Leandries into... Uh, <laughs> No, uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... Into Banshee's Veil, Azir build. Did you enjoy yeah, that? Yeah, I, I didn't like it that much, but uh, I'm going to go with Arrow. I'm going to go with Arrow. Again? My oh, my God. <laughs> Two weeks yeah, in a row. I, I really just like... I, I, I'm pretty disappointed in the way that this guy is playing. Like, he's not dealing yeah. damage. He's not laning well. It's really surprising because, like, you play with this guy in solo queue. He's, like, top five. He's one of the best that he carries in solo queue. He plays versus all these players in solo queue with, like, random supports, and it seems to always go pretty well. So I think it's really curious to me that he's just running it down consistently. And, like, even, like, the plays around the lane don't make much sense. I don't think his team fighting has been very good. I mean, Immortals as a team is super weird, right? You you look at Xerxes Power View. I mean, Xerxes was considered one of the best jugglers in EU at a point. Power View yeah. was considered one of the best mids in EU at a point. Arrow was one of the best AD carries in, in the world at a point. You put all three of them together, somehow they're coming away with this dive where they're like just, they're not able to dive NA players with four people. It's just like, no one knows to wait for the wave. 
not one person could be like, hey, we should wait for the wave before we start doing the, the dive thing because they have no teleports. So sorry, we Dom. Just wait for the wave that was Revenge's fault, as the fans have told me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think I think Revenge, like, he definitely should be able to use his lead topside more. I agree more, with that. But... No, I agree. That's what I said. I think he doesn't push his advantage enough. But, you know, there's... A... I don't know how fucking tilted he is being in this game. I would be just tilted out of my mind. His teammates got to be tilted by him in the game before where it's like, oh, well, I guess yeah. uh, they have summit. So shit. Like, I guess we just lose. So we will no, see. That's so. fair. I, I, I do think the whole situation on Immortals is like, it's very weird right now. Um, th this, th this team should be a lot better than it is. Like, if you actually look at, the individual parts like it it's not a bad roster and it's disappointing that they are performing at the level they are yeah i mean it's because of their names right it's not because of anything they've done recently it's not like when you looked at poe last year you're like damn bro if he just had arrow who was like an amateur who was doing pretty well but not like what you'd expect from somebody who's like about to about to take over lcs you see that roster you put it together you're like i don't really know if this is an upgrade. I mean, I think I think losing Giotto hurt this team a fucking ton. I, I think that this guy gave them some direction, and now they just look like they're completely. Out I mean, Giotto Giotto just abandoned his children. By the way, he, he literally did. he literally just came to America, brought Xerxes and Destiny with him, and then just went out for just for some cigarettes, and then just never returned. Yeah, I would do Jeez. the same if those were my kids. Those are some. <laughs> those are just not the kids. Like those are some kids where you're like, damn. Like, he brought them here, Dom. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he didn't he didn't want to bring them here, you know? Like <laughs> it was the green card play. I think he did. <laughs> but he, he just, married he just in. He just abandoned them on immortals. It's actually depressing. Uh yeah. yeah. yeah it's understandable. Uh, if those are your kids, like you know, like you're you're the dad that's going to like the 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 Sunday baseball games and your kid is just the worst one on the field, like, you know what? Sometimes you, you just know, gotta <laughs> Go get some cigarettes. You know what? Give me that starting pitcher. Can I get the starting pitcher? Yeah. You can take my kid. All right. Cool. Thanks, Immortals. Um, I think for me, yeah, there, there you have it. If if Dom has kids and he's disappointed, he'll just go adopt some other kids. Yeah. <laughs> some ones who are good at who are good at baseball. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you can really spin it because because you'll be like, yeah, my kids are adopted, and people will be like, oh, nice, Dom, nice. It's like, yeah, I just don't want him anymore. Person, <laughs> like, <Dom. laughs> yeah, you're the hero right. America needs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, FlyQuest Johnson. I remember specifically in that CLG game, Afro was leading the team as much as he could while they were behind. And then I think Johnson took the Kaisa W straight to the face and then like walked away from Afro and then died immediately. And that was the end of the game. That is how CLG won that game. And I remember thinking like, I don't know what you were thinking there. And then in their next game, uh, just was addition out damage. I think it was a down week for Johnson, who has been middle of the road, doing his job. And so I think uh, a little time in the doghouse will be good for Johnson the rest of FlyQuest as they go 0-2 uh, for this week. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Game of the Week. Give me your most hype game of the week. And, uh, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of time unless you guys know which one it is. Do you know which game of yours is the one that is the one that you want to look for? Dom. Oh, I got a banger right here. I, I got so, one. All right, okay. good. Go, go, ahead, go, go Dom. So mine is TSM versus Cloud9. Oh, it's going to be so fucking funny. Uh, that actually will funny. be great. I love it. That's going to be my <laughs> game of the week. That's when I would not 
be able to take my eyes away from like <laughs> not to love it Monty. i actually will truly enjoy that game as well but on the other side uh the very last game of the ltk regular season is t1 versus drx uh, it's the number one versus number three team hopefully because apparently it's actually impossible for any lck team to play remotely which should be quite concerning to people with playoffs coming up that playoffs might actually just be ruined by anyone getting COVID in a country rife with COVID right now because they can't play from their team facility for reasons that nobody knows or understands. Uh, that, so hopefully this is yeah, like pretty bad in Asia right now. I mean, LPL won full remote this today. It was announced LPL is going full remote until the I mean, end of the I wish LCK would do that. So we actually have playoffs, you know, because yeah. right now the policy is just going to be, you know, if, T if anybody on T1 gets COVID is just fucking over. Uh, and seems like all the teams are really struggling with that right now through no fault of their own, through the fact that they are in a surge. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think that T1 versus DRX hopefully will be a great game. Hopefully it could be a very cool preview of playoffs overall. Um, it is, I would say, unlikely, but technically possible that that could challenge for second place. It will also, I would say, likely be a 17 and 0 T1 going up against their best chance to actually lose a best of three. So there's a lot of cool storylines going to that one for sure. Yeah. Big, big surge happening right now in the Asian countries. So uh, I I'm interested in to seeing like how that's going to affect LCS, LCS finals that has already been, you know, proudly touted to be in person over in Houston. Hopefully uh, things will stay safe and we'll be able to have that great momentous occasion of bringing esports back to in person. Uh, for me, well, you, you kind of took my thunder there, Dom. Instead of game of the week, uh, in terms of time of the day, and time of the week, it's, it's, it's game of the week. The bottom two teams do battle at the very last game. Like, this is the worst for a broadcast. This is the worst for a team. When you're in last place, and you have the final game of the day, of the final day of the week, it's Immortals and TSM, ninth place versus 10th place, uh, battling hey. out for the suck bowl here. It's is it going to be revenge's fault that they lose or win? Uh, I mean, only if they lose, but not if they win. <laughs> um, yeah, and also maybe we see Wild Turtle come back because Arrow's been in the doghouse two weeks in a row. I think we Those see Wild Turtle come back. That's what I think. Damn, bro, yeah. I don't know. It's revenge okay. game, dude. It's a revenge game. He gets to anytime he gets to play against TSM. Uh, that should be an opportunity. Yeah, for him I'm, to I'm sure that Wild Turtle is the type of guy that will use that as like some strict motivation to to win. He's <laughs> he just like a really angry up. person. <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna be like giving a speech backstage. It's like we gotta do it for for me. For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hell no, he's not gonna do that shit. What? I love Turtle, dude. I hope he's, that he. he yeah, is, but he's he so chill, delightful. like. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that he's yeah, just yeah, not yeah, the type yeah. of guy that's going to... That, that's going to be fueled by revenge. Yeah. Um, yeah last week, we asked you all at home to give us a couple comments. Thank you for all the nice comments. There's a lot of really nice comments for everyone. Thank uh, you for all the mean comments about Degon too. I love those. There were a lot of nice comments. There was <laughs> there's actually one really... There was, there was one going after Dom, and eventually that guy got... Uh, he he got teamed up on and I think stopped posting. Wait, uh, but there was, was that? I didn't see it. Or was that uh, or was that the magic resist one? No, no, no. It was not the magic resist one. Uh there there was it's gone. Someone must have deleted it. But it was in the uh it was in the jungle one, dude. 
Oh, nice. I'm looking, I'm looking. There was, it had the most replies. But the most thoughtful one here was one comparing to Dota 2. And I, I liked this one. And um, Monty, I, I think you have great uh, esports historical knowledge. And then, Dom, I think you'll be able to put this one into practice. So I was wondering if you'd be able, this is from Ichigo Saitama, anime shit. I was wondering if you'd be able to talk about the limitations of league drafting, especially in comparison to Dota 2. For instance, when you look at the international, where 113 out of 121 heroes were picked, which is 93% of possible picks, comparatively to Worlds last year, only 80 out of the 157 were picked, which is 50.9%. Uh, uh, why is that, and why is it only nearly only half the champs that get played? Basically, there's a little bit more, but that's the general... Uh, consensus. So uh, I like that one. I like cross uh, this cross sport reference. And also when we get into draft and seeing like why teams tighten up a little bit as we go to worlds compared to kind of trying to catch people off guard. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty simple. I mean, it's just the way that the games function differently, especially in the, the lane phase. Like, you don't have the ability to deny in League of Legends. So if you don't have the ability to contest the wave or fight in, like, fight in, in, in any way, it's not like you can deny and like hold the wave at a certain situation. You're just going to get slow pushed on. Eventually, people are going to uh, just look to dive you. Um, and you don't really have much agency at all in the game. Whereas in Dota, you can block minions to make them go later to lane. You can deny minions. Um, so you can do a lot more to manipulate your your wave um, than you can in League of Legends. League of Legends is, is one dimensional in terms of like how you're able to do things. Also, the way that the map is set up, there's two people that are essentially roaming with the four and five positions roaming. Whereas like in competitive, it's like you pretty much have a support that goes bot. And because of the way that the game technically works in League of Legends, like the bot turret has um, no armor and magic resist anymore because there was a time where there was uh, 2v1s possible anywhere on the map. Um, but Riot specifically made it so that can't be a thing because people they thought people didn't like watching 2v1s. So um, yeah, up until five minutes, the top and mid turret have a shit ton of, of uh, armor, extra armor and magic resist that uh, the bot turret doesn't have. So it essentially forces people to go bot lane, um, forces the most important lane, the duo lane, to be bot lane. Um, and therefore, like, you can't do as interesting setups where, like, two, the support and the jungler are essentially playing together and they're playing around a, a lane that might be a little bit weaker. So I just think that there's less flexibility in the game because of how the game is designed, um, which and leads to uh, less champions being drafted because there's certain conditions you need to be able to meet to play League of Legends at a pro level. And also to that point, you know, it's not the reason why that there is a duo lane is because Riot basically intentionally created and balances around hard roles in League of Legends, which is not true in Dota. And therefore in Dota, there is a lot more flexibility in how you can use the heroes in the game in different roles, basically. Um, so I think one of the things that's, interesting about League of Legends is that it's easier to have one-to-one -one comparisons between players because they're playing specific roles, which I think is a is great, honestly, for the professional esports scene because we can have, I think, more interesting debates as we, or like concrete debates, I would say, as we compare players compared to Dota. The other thing is itemization uh, in League of Legends is quite different than Dota. In Dota, a lot more of the items are based around active abilities or uh, ways that kits are changed uh, based on the items that they have, which leaves you a lot more flexibility in the way that you can 
pick heroes because you can alter them pretty dramatically with the items that you pick. Whereas in League of Legends, items are it's better now than it used to be, but they're basically stat sticks, right? Which stats. is not yeah. yeah, it's not true in Dota or not as true, I should say. Uh, so I think these factors are the ones that really um, come into play with uh, with League compared to Dota. Yeah. Uh, although I, I, like I also that. say that I don't need the champion diversity, right? There's enough champion diversity in League of Legends for me overall that it's not people t try to talk about as being like, oh, this is highly desirable. And I'm like, is it? I like <laughs> I like discrete roles. I like discrete roles. I like players in discrete roles because I think it's it for me, it's more fun to talk about player comparisons in that way. I, I think what would be interesting is because when it comes to champion diversity, what I like are the moments where a team like pulls out a pick. You know, that that moment where they surprise you, that is that is what I like. And so Dota does that almost all the time. Whereas League, you don't do that as much and you could probably go back to the past like past like several world championships and count how many times they were like, Oh wow, we didn't see this coming. Like this was a this is a jungle jacks, not a top jacks that we've been seeing, or whatever right. it is. It's yeah, rare. I mean but but at the same time, when it does happen in League, it's highly it's, memorable. Think about MF support in 2016 at Worlds. That was course. that was incredible but surprise, I, right? So I think that the problem here is that what what's Riot's reaction to that? Every single time one of these things happens, they are like almost instantly nerfed out of the game. Like yep, it's true. We saw the same thing happen when Rumble was a jungler. Rumble was like it went from being a terrible jungler to being the best jungler in the game, unless you're freak. To be, I knew it was coming. Of course, <laughs> of course, we almost <laughs> made it. We almost made it, Monty. <laughs> I knew it was coming. But then to being like, and then they just nerfed it patch by patch, and now it's like barely playable. So like Riot just does this thing where whenever a champion comes up in a role that it's not supposed to come up in, we saw the same thing even dating back to season two. I mean, when I was playing on Dignitas, one of the things that we were most famous for was running comps that had very unique identities. So we we there was a tournament, um, IPL four, for example, where we played supports in solo lanes like we were one of the first teams to ever play supports in solo lanes we played lulu top and soraka mid with a hyper carry kogma and i would play like a tank jungler with it and we had a specific strategy designed about this instantly that shit is nerfed like anytime something comes out that is deemed op that is not in the box that 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 league of legends wants it in that riot wants it in they instantly nerf it out of the game so like if supports are being played in solo lanes you normally see them gone if they rise in popularity they're gone if champions that are not supposed to be junglers are becoming junglers. So for example, like Morgana and Rumble at, at MSI, they're gone almost instantly. We're seeing, we saw the same thing with Talon, for example. Um, we saw the same thing with I Will Dominate when he didn't behave the way that Riot wanted to yep. and they nerfed him out of the game. Yeah, they nerfed, him out, they nerfed me out of the game. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's just what it, it is. It's just what Riot does. Riot doesn't like the, the huge amount of diversity. They actively balance against diversity all right well there you have it again wanted to give a shout out uh to our commenters and followers of the show that have been supporting throughout make sure you get those comments in there we'll have a segment for y'all again another episode down a whole world of league of legends and there's a decent amount to talk about uh final thoughts uh monty uh looking forward to that t1 drx game See if T1 ends the season undefeated. Dom. Uh, I'm looking forward to the TSM C9 game to see if the team survives another another week without <laughs> Reginald, you know, coming down. And, you know, it, I mean, I guess what's the most PC way to say this? And uh, 
exuding his wrath upon his team. Let's, let's say <laughs> visiting his displeasure. Right. Visiting how, his is how displeasure. we say it in polite company. Visiting his displeasure. Ah, right. yes. Well, I'll be on Murder. site on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> I'll, I'll be on site to have a, uh, a chat with whoever TSM decides to give me for interviews. You can catch those on my mm -hmm. YouTube channel. You can catch Dom on his stream. You can catch Monty and all of his content on Insight on Esports uh, for Horsemen. Uh, and of course, you can catch more league content here on Deserto. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the content coming out here. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you all next time for more jungle content. See ya.